Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. This podcast is where I share people's incredible stories of recovery after adopting a low-fat, whole food, plant-based diet. This podcast has shared stories of people with heart disease, type 2 diabetes, many forms of cancer, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, multiple sclerosis, asthma, eczema, psoriasis, you name it, guests on this show have had it and have healed it with a low-fat, whole food, plant-based diet and been able to come off countless medications and prevent further diagnosis of other chronic diseases because unfortunately you don't just get one chronic disease. You can get multiple chronic diseases. And I think that for me when I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, when I got MS as well, I thought, are you kidding me? I've already got fibromyalgia. I'm already in chronic pain, depressed, tired, constipated, got candida. You can't give me MS as well. I've had enough. I don't deserve any more on my plate. But when you keep injuring your insides with the foods that you're consuming, of course you're going to get more. I probably was going to going to end up with heart disease, type 2 diabetes, <laughs> who knows what next, some form of cancer, which most people end up with. You're just biding your time until that something comes your way when you're eating the standard American, standard English way of eating, unfortunately, because that way of eating is so high in animal proteins, processed foods, salts, sugars, refined flours, refined sweeteners, just foods that aren't meant to be in our body, just like a donut isn't meant to go in our car engine. A donut isn't meant to go in our bodies, nor is meat, eggs, dairy. Those foods are meant for, meant to stay on the animals' bodies and belong to other animals, not human animals. They're not good for the animals, they're not good for our bodies, and they're not good for the planet. So this podcast is where I share people's stories of recovery who have stopped eating those non-foods and started eating actual foods meant for people. And today is no different. But before we talk about Tishani, who is on the show today and her ulcerative colitis story, I just wanted to remind you to head over to Patreon if you would like to support this podcast because I would love to have you as a Patreon supporter because this is the way forward for this podcast. I would like this podcast to continue until we have a million stories because that not only would that mean that a million people are now eating a compassionate, health-promoting, environmentally sustainable diet, which is a whole food plant-based diet, that would also mean that there is one million stories out there to inspire people and give them hope about the benefits and the healing powers of a whole food plant-based diet. But to do that, it takes up a lot of time for our family, time away from my children, time away from work, paid work. It takes a lot of time up from everything because we have to find guests, we have to edit the podcast, which takes a long time. We have to record the interviews, we have to follow up, we have to write the show notes, we have to publish them, we have to promote the podcast. There's so many different parts, not, not just the tech parts, which also cost money, the microphones, the computer, the software. There are so many different pieces that cost money. And I don't want to have advertising on this podcast because I found that sponsors, it's very difficult to find up. I, I I'm not saying never about advertising, but it is very difficult to find a sponsor that is in full alignment with the podcast message. I'm not someone who wants people to mindlessly consume products that they don't need or supplements that they don't need or anything that they don't need. I really want to promote this podcast in an environmentally conscious way. And and this way, I think, is the most beautiful way I've, I've found so far, which is offering a chance for the listeners, you guys, to to, to help fund this podcast, to help support it, to help be part of this community, to build like a, a beautiful family over at Patreon where we, you know, you can send me a message about what guests you would like, you know, you can write me, ask me questions over there. You can, there are, you know, there are many tiers over there where you can get my ebook or join my membership for free or you can join my Facebook group or you can 
get a free coaching call from me or multiple coaching calls from me. Or there, there are many different tiers depending on how much money you, you have to spend. The minimum, which is still so great, anything you can spend, but the minimum is I think just a cup of coffee a month, so $5 a month. And if you head over, every $5 helps. It helps so much. And I'm so, so grateful to everyone who has signed up as Patreon supporters so far. Lucy Stegley, Elizabeth Boucher, Tony Boucher, and as of today, Janet Selby. Thank you so much, Janet. You have really, really made my day. All of you have. I love you all. Thank you so much for becoming patrons of this podcast. It really, really helps. So thank you. If you could head over to Patreon, I have the link in the show notes and become a member. It helps so much. It just helps so much. I, I can't even. I'm wor- lost for words describing how much it will help this podcast to continue to spread these messages of hope for as long as possible. So thank you. If you have $5 lying around, I would love it if you could become a patron supporter of this podcast. It would make my absolute day. So thank you. The link is over in the show notes. If you would like to head over there and become a member, become part of the Corinne Ninja community, I would be thrilled to have you. And I will thank you in the next episode of the podcast. But off that topic today, we have Tishani and she's sharing her story of ulcerative colitis. And it is, I don't know, I have had constipation. I had it bit debilitating, horrible, awful constipation for about the first, the age of 15 to 28, pretty much. And it was awful, so awful. And I cannot imagine going to the toilet with diarrhea 12, up to 12 times a day with terrible, terrible cramping pain at each time, more, more than 12 times when it was most of you, up to 25 times. Some of the guests on my show were going, you know, so many times a day, bleeding every single time, losing so much blood, losing so much weight, being so weak and feeling so, so hopeless. And the thing is with this topic, which is why I love sharing episodes like this, is it's so taboo. No one wants to talk about their bowel movements. No one wants to talk about what's happening when they go to the bathroom. And because no one wants to talk about it, we're all walking around, you know, pretending everything's fine. And for most people, it's not fine. Most people have IBS of some description. Most people have some kind of malfunctioning bowel and digestive system. It's making them bloated, gassy, have diarrhea, constipated, you know, just irregular in some way. And we're not talking about it. And so people are going along with these symptoms for much, much longer than they should be. And they're getting ill advice from their healthcare professional, like Tishani was given ill advice in this episode. And it's so, so important to keep getting, you know, second, third, fourth, however many opinions until you find someone who has a real solution, a real solution. And I I don't mean a Band-Aid solution. And I think we've talked about it so many times that often these medications, these medications and these pills people people are advising us to take Sure, they, they, they can be – I'm not saying that they're not all – some pills are important to take. Like for me, taking anti-anxiety medication and antidepressant medication in my 20s, was a, I had to take that to get through my diagnosis and my brother's death and lots of other issues that were going on in my 20s. It really helped me, and I'm not saying that anyone who's relying on those medications to help them get through their mental illness is weak or wrong for taking them in any way. I'm not – advising anyone feel any shame about doing that because sometimes it's super important. And even Tashani, she needed medication until she found a solution. But keep looking for the solution. And I'm not saying that with sometimes you might need things for life and that is okay too. So there's no shame in needing it for life. But Tashani and so many other, other guests on this show found that once they looked for the root cause of their physical health problem, not their mental health problems, even though many guests on the show have found an improvement, a significant improvement in their mental health issues with the adoption of a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet because their gut microbiome is feeling so much better and it's releasing serotonin and having a ripple effect on their mental health. But still, the guests on my show have looked for the root cause, found it in the gut microbiome and in 
a whole food plant-based diet. And I'm so, so thrilled that they have and that they're here sharing their stories today and offering people hope out there who are living with conditions like ulcerative colitis and not knowing and not seeing a future without pain and suffering and the potential loss of a significant portion of their bowel, which no one wants. So thank you to Shani for coming on the show. And Tashani is a client of High Carb Health, which both the founding members of High Carb Health, Shamiz and Shakul Kachwala, have been on this podcast and their episodes have been linked in the show notes. So please go check their stories out. Shamiz had ulcerative colitis, his sibling Shakul. And he have started High Carb Health together. They are now supporting people with their YouTube channel, High Carb Health, and are doing a wonderful, wonderful job coaching and supporting people as plant-based nutrition experts over at highcarbhealth.com. So head over there as well. If you have ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, you know, any digestive ailment, but anything at all, they are amazing and so, so, so passionate and helpful. So... Definitely shout out to High Cup Health. I love those guys. They are wonderful and I love the work that they're doing. So yeah, without further ado, that was a long introduction. Without further ado, here is Tashani sharing her story. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Hello, Tish, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have you. Now, I heard you share your story with Shakul and Shamiz from High Carb Health. Hello, you two. Been on the show. Now their episodes are... Well, Shakul is really recently. I think it's like 93. But Shamiz, I can't recall. So I will put it in the show notes. But they're great. Both great episodes of the podcast. Shamiz's is about ulcerative colitis. And so is Tish's. And Tish was sharing her story at the... Doctors for Nutrition inaugural first ever Nutrition in Healthcare conference that was held in Melbourne at the Docklands earlier this year. There are going to be held every year in Melbourne. So please head over to Doctors for Nutrition and get your tickets or sign up to the page so that you get all the notifications about when their events are being held and get tickets for next year if you can because it is the best weekend. It was such great fun. And that is where I met Tish and that is how Tish came to be on this show to share her story because I absolutely loved hearing it at the conference and I wanted you all to get to hear it as well. So Tish, let's start at the start. Let's start with your the, at the beginning of your story. Yeah. Well, growing up, I um, I ate a pretty standard diet. I was a happy kid, um, you know, playing, really happy. I had a very mixed diet. So my parents are from Italian and South American um, backgrounds. So meat heavy, salads, pastas, lasagna, all the good Italian stuff, meatballs, you know. And mum um, always, try, always tried to stay away from fats and deep fried food and sugary food and that kind of seemed to be working. Um, our dinners always included some kind of animal protein as, as most families, you know, and um, so we owned a delicatessen for about seven or eight years. Um, so we had lots of cold cuts, salamis, cheeses, meat. That was a huge part of our daily life and spending a lot of time there as well. And then when I was about 12 years old, I started to get really bad tummy issues. So it was really strange, actually, because it was severe nausea. All the time I was nauseous. I would gag a lot. Um, but the funny thing is I would never, ever vomit. Like I just would not vomit. Um, that's me, though. I, I can't vomit. Like I have to be almost dying and then I'll vomit, you know. I just I can't. My body just won't. Because of that, it was really bad. I remember I used to be like, you know, as a kid, we'd go out shopping or we'd go out and do stuff. And in the middle of the shopping center, I'd just have a massive anxiety attack because I could feel that I needed to gag and vomit and I would just gag and gag and gag. And sometimes it was quite violent. Like I felt like my whole stomach was in a huge knot with pain um, and then it would just go away. And so mum took me to a naturopath and um, she tried to, balance out what was going in my stomach um and yeah it was very 
it was there wasn't really a lot going on. There was a, a few acids or something out of balance, and she gave me a few medications for that. And then it seemed to sort of smooth itself out um, until I was about 19 years old, which was 2016. And I was working a job that I loved and studying full time and I had a really busy schedule. You know, you're 19 years old, you think, you know, I can take on the world. And um, I was in the city all day, then I'd come home, work till about 10 p.m., go to bed, do it all over again the next day. What was your job? I worked in Angus and Coote Jewelers. Oh, wow, lovely. Yeah, so I loved it. I was with um, a really great team of girls and, you know, selling diamonds all day. It was actually really great. It was really nice. And my mum worked in Goldmark, um, which was in the same shopping centre. So that was cool to have mum just around the corner. And... um, yeah, I had such a busy schedule and I loved it. Um, but because I was so busy, my eating habits started to get a bit bad. So I'd get really tired. I'd reach for coffee or I'd have coffee at night just to keep up that buzz of, you know, retail and selling jewelry, you know, the late night shift, we all get a coffee. And, and, uh, then I started reaching for V energy drinks. Oh yeah. Biggest regret. So some days I'd be at TAFE, I'd have a couple of coffees in the morning, then have a V, then get to work, have another coffee, another V. Um, and it started to dehydrate me really badly. So I'd get cramps in my legs or I'd get cramps in, in my thighs and it'd be really painful. And then I'd go get Maccas because I was too tired to do anything else. And then randomly one day I remember I was at home and it was late at night and I went to the bathroom and I saw blood and I just freaked out and I was like this is not my period this is this is something different and so my I remember mum saying to me all right we'll just you know go to sleep have a good night's sleep and we'll see what happens tomorrow and then I just tried to eat a bit healthier drink a bit more water tried to you know just see if it would go away until it turned into really bad diarrhea and then I was going to the toilet quite a few times a day thinking it was a tummy bug or maybe I had eaten off pork two weeks earlier at a restaurant and the other girl that had the same dish had gotten sick as well Um, but she bounced back she was fine you know two weeks later she was okay so I wasn't sure if it was that or not and you know, this diary, I just would not let up. So to about maybe at this point, about eight times a day um, with blood. And I had never been really sick. I had never been in hospital. So I was almost in a denial, in a state of denial, thinking it'll get better if I just leave it. And the GP told me it was probably food poisoning or an anal fissure and that I had to just be careful, have Metamucil, try not to, you know, strain or anything on the toilet and that it would get better. Um, But, yeah, I just I didn't want to believe anything was wrong. I was working towards a career. I was studying. I was enjoying life, which was really naive of me at the time, like looking back. Yeah, but you went – ignorance is – well, not bliss, we found out the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) But it's totally understandable to be 19 and studying and working and have something like this and to just trust your healthcare professional that it's going to be fine. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Because everyone's eating and working the way you were working. Like everywhere you go, it's the way. Everyone's drinking cans of V, monster energy drinks, coffee, McDonald's to get through the day. And why would you be any different, you know? To the norm, so I completely understand that why you would have done, why you would have eaten that way, because it's just how our society has unfortunately evolved <laughs> into into a sick society that we are now. Yeah, absolutely, that's right. So true. And so during all of that time, I was also losing weight, and my appetite was all over the place. Some days I'd be really hungry. Some days I wouldn't want to eat. Some days I'd just have coffee and then get to dinner and realize, oh, I better eat something. Just because every time I ate something, it would go straight through me. So I thought if I eat less, 
you know, I might not go to the toilet as much, but it didn't work. And then it kind of all came to a head when I was in the shower. I remember I was in the shower one day and I was washing my hair and shampooing my hair. And then all of a sudden I woke up in bed with paramedics standing over me and I was fully dressed and my hair was all like wet and soapy. And I was thinking, what's happened? And I remember looking over to my dad and my dad was fully dressed and sopping wet, like he was drenched. I'm thinking, why is he, why is he wet? What's happened? And then later my dad had told me that, yeah, he heard me just go bang and I just passed out in the shower. And so he ran in and pulled me out um, and got me dressed and called the ambulance. My gosh, he must have been terrified. He was. He was so scared and but yeah, that's when we realized, wow, like something is seriously wrong. That doesn't happen because I was fine. I was more than fine. And then two seconds in the shower and just I was gone. Like it was really, really scary. Oh, wow. And you had no signs before then? Like I know that you had nothing. You weren't feeling lightheaded. You weren't feeling dizzy or a headache or. No, I was, I was just a bit weak. I was always a little bit weak just because I was losing so much blood. So were you bleeding every day? Every day. For how long had it been going on for? So by that time? By that time it was about five weeks, five-ish weeks. Like bleeding constantly? Yeah. So it was probably at about 12 times a day at this point. So you're going to the bathroom 12 times a day and it and bleed. With diarrhea oh. and with blood. Oh, my gosh, Tish, you poor yeah. thing. No wonder you fell over in the shower. So I would be, like, at work and I'd just have to drop customers and absolutely bolt for the bathroom. I'd have to run. And it was affecting my sleep as well because it was every few hours at night. So I wasn't getting solid night sleeps. And, yeah, I had lost about seven kilos probably at that point. So when that happened, the ambulance, the paramedics took me to the local GP because in their mind they were thinking, you've got really bad gastro, you're dehydrated. There's no point taking you to the hospital and waiting, you know, four hours in emergency because it's not severe. It's not something, you know, there's other people with priorities. So they took me to the GP and the GP just um, – I can't even remember actually. I think they gave me one of those um, electrolyte uh, lolly things just to try and get me a bit, a bit uh, (laughs) hydrated. Yeah, a bit hydrated. They didn't give me water. They just gave me that, and and I was fine. I was feeling fine. It was the weirdest thing. So we just went home. But in Dad's mind, like I could see his mind was just ticking over. Like something's wrong. Um, But my graduation was coming up that weekend. So I didn't want anything to mess with my graduation. I had my dress and I had my hair all, you know, ready to go, how I wanted it to be, my makeup. Um, So I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) What was your degree, of course? Oh, so that was Diploma of Auslan. Oh, love. So I was then moving into the interpreting course to become an interpreter for Australian Sign Language. Oh, wow. That would have been so... Congratulations. <laughs> but I can see why you didn't want anything to rain on your parade. Yeah. Even, even bleeding from your bowel. <laughs> That's right, even bleeding from my bowel. Nothing was going to break that day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yes, yeah, so. Yeah, so grad night came along and I was feeling a bit unwell that day, but I thought it was just butterflies and excitement. Um, but, oh. Corinne, like that night, I deteriorated so quickly. I remember I was sitting, waiting for them to call my name on stage and my fever, later we found out, my fever was so high that I couldn't see and I couldn't hear properly. Like everything was just going black. And um, I was so worried. I was sitting there thinking, how am I going to get up? How am I going to walk on stage? But I didn't want to say that anything was wrong. I just thought, okay, I can push through it. I can push through it. Yeah, and I did. So I walked across the stage in high heels and like a 40-degree fever. I don't know how I did it and then just collapsed in the car on the way home. And when we got home, my fever was like 39.8 or 39.9. And then that weekend, it just did not go down. I had a constant fever 
And that's when dad said, we've got to go to the hospital. Something's wrong. So that was about six weeks altogether after I started bleeding. So we got to the hospital and they put me on intravenous steroids and they gave me erythropoietin to try and build up my red blood cells um, just to get my hemoglobin up because my hemoglobin was really low. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like five or six, I think. And they were really worried because the bleeding wasn't showing any signs of slowing down. So they booked me in for a sigmoidoscopy. And I remember I was scheduled for the sigmoidoscopy at about eight in the morning. And I didn't get wheeled in till about nine at night. So I was waiting all day and the nurses were coming in to give me enemas to try and clear out my bowels. And like you can imagine a an inflamed red sore bowel and then having something go up it was the most painful thing I still remember the pain I was screaming and crying and the nurse was just trying to trying to get the enema in and she couldn't because it was so inflamed um yeah that that scarred me for life (laughs) the pain of that enema I'll never forget it was so so sore so was it painful without like before in the six weeks, were you in pain the whole time? Like, was going was was having was when you were having the diarrhea? Was it really painful diarrhea, or yeah. was it just no? It was painful. When I was sitting on the toilet, I always feel like I was going to pass out, and the cramps. I remember my mum used to have to sit with me, like she'd sit next to me while I was on the toilet and just rub my back and just make sure I didn't pass out, or you know, yeah, because it was really sore. And then once it was the funniest thing, because then once it had come out, whatever, I'd get up and be fine. It was just those bouts throughout the day where it would happen and and throughout the night. 12 times a day and overnight, that's a lot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Especially when you're studying and working. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So you you had the enemas and then... Then they wheeled me in for the sigmoidoscopy and I'll never forget, oh, my goodness, they wheeled me in and they said to me, oh, I'm really sorry to Shani, but the anaesthetist has gone home today, so you'll just have to stay awake through the whole thing. But it's okay. Just just watch the monitor while we go up and check. Oh and I was my. like, I thought it was a joke. I'm like, I, what? Are you, are you serious? I couldn't even handle the pain of the enema, and you're going to go up even higher, and you're going to be in there for ages, and I have to watch. Like, I absolutely freaked out and if it wasn't for this one nurse she was beautiful she said to me we're going to give you the strongest oral sedative that we have and if you just calm down and just think you're going to go to sleep I'm going to go to sleep she said you will go to sleep you'll feel nothing thankfully I just went to sleep so I don't remember anything and yeah the oral sedative worked what a relief I was so scared can you imagine that Oh, I can't. I, I cannot imagine. I cannot I imagine it. No. I can't imagine it. Oh <laughs> my gosh! I'm so glad that it worked for you because it is terrible. The thought of being awake, like I know sometimes for me, I've got a very well. I don't know. I just when the dentist, I can always feel it when he does. He does the injections, and I can always feel it. And so he always has to give me a second or third injection in my mouth. And when you can feel it, it's terrifying. And I had a surgery once where they, I woke up. In the just after the surgery, like I was still in the surgery room, and that was bad enough. Like I woke up and they're like, "Oh my gosh, she's awake!" And so then they gave me more because oh, I was room. supposed to be, out, I was supposed to stay out to it until I got into the recovery area. But I was still in the surgery area. Well, that's scary. Yeah, and it is. It's terrifying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> It's terrifying, so I can't imagine what it would be like to be told, no, you're going to be awake the whole time. I know. I couldn't oh believe goodness. it. Uh, I'm so glad that you fell asleep. Oh, oh my gosh. Me too. So then, so then. <laughs> so then um, after that, I think it was the day after, yeah, they, they came in and said to me that I was diagnosed with something called mild ulcerative colitis. And at that point, I had never heard what UC was. I didn't know what it was. My parents hadn't heard of it before. Um, So my dad, who's a bookworm, and he loves doing his research. So he was in the hospital just trying to research and just see what this was, what causes it, you know, 
and why why did I get it? What happened? And I remember they sent in a nutritionist to try and help me with what to eat. And the nutritionist came in and I remember she had a little a little diagram of, you know, the food chart, uh, the food pyramid and said, um, you know, we, we really need to work on you eating a lot of white things. So essentially we need to block you up. And, I mean, I hadn't been introduced to the whole, whole food plant-based diet world, but even then inside I'm thinking that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like a solution. It sounds like a Band-Aid solution. I'm thinking, you know, block me up. But then what if I don't eat these white things? The, the ulcerative colitis is still going to be there. And it just didn't did not add up in my mind. So she was saying white breads, white pastas, white rices, um, processed meats, all that kind of stuff. So lots of heavy things to block you up. That's yes, what just eat, eat cheese. Please eat <laughs> lots and lots of cheese. And so fibreless foods. And yeah, fibreless foods. Oh, my goodness. Right. Even my parents, they were like, I remember, I don't even think we took the paper home. I think mum or dad just threw in the bin. We're just like, yep, thank you, no thank you. Yeah, wow. Oh, horrible. I guess when you've been in this arena for as long as what, you know, we have about whole food plant-based eating, you know, the thought of it is a Band-Aid. It is a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. How is that? Why have you got – why is your colon and your bowel inflamed, you know, blocking it up? It's like, why is this thing leaking? Put a plug in it <laughs> for <laughs> not figuring out why it's leaking in the first place. What a ridiculous – anyway, for me it's ridiculous. Yeah. But I guess it's not ridiculous if you haven't – have no awareness of nutrition and how the importance of nutrition in healing. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was in the hospital for, I think a week and a half or a week. Um, and then the last day that I was in there, they gave me four tablets of Medivant and I was like, four, that's a lot. But they're like, Oh, you know, that's a normal dose. And so I took four tablets so is that like a tablet to make you const- like to make you stop going to the, to the toilet? Um, so Mesovant. Mesovant. Um, so it's more like actually, you know, good question. I didn't even ask what it was, and I don't even know what it is. I think it's an immunos. No, it's not an immunosuppressant. I don't know. <laughs> we will find out and put it in the show notes. Okay. But I imagine it's something for. It is treat. It's to treat inflammatory bowel disease. And it also treats um, Crohn's disease as well. So I think it's just to suppress that inflammation. But I could be wrong on that. That's totally fine. Uh, so you're given four tablets of this. Yeah, so four tablets. And then I was sent home. And so I was home that night, so happy to be home, to be in my bed. And then I started to feel really unwell and I was really hot. And then it, it was about midnight and then I started to get this bad migraine like I've never had a headache like this in my life and then I was really hot so I think mum took my top off just to change I don't know what she did but she saw my chest and then she was like (gasps) and she took my top off and I just had this bloody red rash all across my chest and my arms and I my fever started going up and she's like she said to my dad she's like Sam I think she's having an allergic reaction so they took me to hospital about, it was about 4 a.m. Um, at that point, I couldn't see and I had ringing in my ears. So they rushed me back to the hospital and the hospital confirmed that it was an allergic reaction. So I stayed in there overnight, I think. And then I was told to just go home and continue with the oral steroids. And that's what we did. They said, just wait it out, just, just see what happens. So I just went back home with with oral steroids. So I was really scared. I, you know, thinking, oh my goodness, uh, you know, this medication can't, can't help me. I'm allergic to it. What, what's Mm. next? You know? Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm excited to find out how you went from this position because it seems like, you know, getting sent home when you're bleeding, you're going to the toilet 12 times a day, you're, allergic to the only medication that they seem to have that they think might help you really in any meaningful way. 
they've advised you to eat white bread and and white foods, which we both know is it's like a band-aid to a much, much bigger problem. Mm. And you're left with steroids and no real information or future. And I know as someone who's been diagnosed with a chronic illness, that place when you go home and you're just like, well, what does this mean? How long is this going to go for? Is my life on hold? How am I going to get a boyfriend or a partner or a husband or a wife or anything if I'm just bleeding from my bowel 12 times a day and no one has an answer for me except for medications that are most often Band-Aids and have other side effects, long-term side effects. And what are those side effects going to look like for me down the track? Yeah, and that's exactly what was going on in my head. Like there was so much noise in my own head. There was so much, you know, that conversation that you have with yourself um, when the panic sets in and then, you know, yeah, it was really scary. And I just want to talk about steroids for a second because for me, they, oh, Steroids are such an awful thing. I remember they used, they gave me a really puffy face for starters, so I looked very different. Um, and obviously it's not all about looks, but seeing yourself almost change physically is, is quite confronting. So I used to hate being in photos. And I'm glad mum took a few photos because sometimes I look back at them and I'm glad I've got them just to see the difference. I was also so sore, tired, grumpy. I remember I used to get this thing where I'd just scratch my arms like crazy and I had really bad anxiety and almost paranoia. I remember one time I drove to work and I was driving into the car park and then I drove into the car spot and I had an absolute fit of like I was crying and screaming and I remember people were walking past not knowing what was going on because in my mind I thought I had hit the car in front of me and didn't know what to do. And I remember calling mum and I was just screaming and she was up in the shopping centre and I don't know how she found me. She ran around the car park until she found me and I hadn't even driven into the spot yet. I was so far away from the car, nothing was wrong, but the steroids were just playing with my head so badly that Things like and things like that happened all the time. I would be so anxious, so paranoid. It was like I could feel like Tashani was slipping away, and I was on them for yeah about eight months altogether, on and off. And it was just it was horrible. It was really really horrible medication to be on. So from the time that they sent you home with the steroids, you were on steroids just for eight months with the same symptoms continuing. Oh no, sorry. So altogether eight months. So okay, when yeah, I yeah. got when I got sent home that time, I was probably about a month or two, and then I was slowly weaning off. And then when I got to zero, it just all flared up again, and I was admitted back into hospital. Um, obviously, that's what was going to happen. I don't know why the hospital uh, yeah. thought something different was going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing the exact same thing that got me sick in the first place. <laughs> And then go off the steroids and it's all going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, same thing, but it was worse. I remember when I came off the steroids, it was up to about 18, 20 times a day. And then it got to about 25 times a day, day and night. So it was almost more than every hour on the hour at that point. Uh, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. So at that point I wasn't doing, like I had no social life. I was at work but taking a lot of time off and lucky my manager was really good. Like I'd give her one look across the store and she would just come over and take my customer because I had to run. Um, and then at, I remember studying at TAFE, yeah, I'd be, I'd be running in and out all day. And so, yeah, so admitted back into the hospital and that's when they said I needed to try a different medication and they said I have to be on mecaptopurine which is also called 6MP so it's an immunosuppressant drug that's normally not used because mesovant is used but um, obviously in my case they had to put me on this and I was really reluctant I didn't want to take it I was also seeing a naturopath who had me on 30 different tablets so I had the 30 different tablets like curcumin and a whole bunch of other stuff. Then I was taking the steroids 
and then a captopurine. So I wasn't, uh, so I was having 10, 10, 12 tablets in the morning before breakfast, about 10, 12 tablets, lunch, and then 10 tablets before dinner, just trying everything we could. But mm. yeah. And so what did the mecaptopurin do for you? So it's an immunosuppressant drug. So there was a lot of awful side effects with it. For example, I couldn't be out in the sun at all because the chance of sunspots on your skin is so much higher. So I literally could not see the sun. And mum or dad couldn't touch the tablet so they had to wear gloves when they would cut the tablet up for me. Um, I couldn't use the same toilet as my parents in our family home. So we had to use separate toilets. So that's how lethal the drug is. We couldn't even share toilets. What happens if you do share toilets? Like what, ta- what happens? To be honest, they never told me. They just said it's very important that you don't share toilets. So like, for example, when we visit, you know, my grandma or something, I'd be petrified. I would not use the toilet. I'd hold it till we got home just because I'd be worried. But then they never told me. They never told me why. I assume it's, I don't know. I have no idea. And to think. I'm going to Google this and put this in the show notes. Okay. Google it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Google it too, actually. <laughs> and to think, you know, my mum couldn't even touch it, yet it was going inside my body. Yeah, exactly. That's scary. When I look back, yeah. I think that's really, really scary. So after that, I remember one of my darkest times was in the hospital. Actually, yeah, going back a little bit, when I was in the hospital the second time, one of the darkest times was when they came in and they said I had to be on the mecaptopurine and I didn't want to be because I couldn't see the sun. I couldn't. And mind you, this was something that I was supposed to be on for the rest of my life. So I thought I'm never going to be able to see the sun. I'm never going to be able to share a toilet with someone you know, I was so scared and one of the darkest times was in the hospital late at night. I remember I was with my mum and I was laying in bed and I was just crying and crying and crying and mum suggested, you know, let's try and list all the things we're grateful for, all the nice things in life. So we were listing flowers and bees and, you know, all the beautiful things in life and, you know, my mum and my dad were real rocks through all that. They got me through some of the worst times in my life. But, yeah, it was really, really scary. Oh, I, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. And so how did you get from there? Like that sounds like that was just the lowest of the low. So how did you get through that? So from that I started taking the 6MP and three months I was on the 6MP and yeah, the bleeding stopped. I was so six MP is meta the mecaptopurine. Yeah, the sorry, that's just the shorter name, <laughs> the easier name. Okay, yeah, yeah. So from that, mum and dad were just so positive, and they they said to me, you know, we're going to find a cure for this. And I was like, yeah, but you know, we can't. And the doctors say there's nothing they can do. The doctors say it's something for life. And my dad's like, no. He said, we'll take the six MP. For a little while just to buy us some time get you strong again but he promised me I remember one night in the hospital he promised me he said Shani I promise you I'll find I'll find something I'll do something I'm gonna get all teary now <laughs> I know T- I totally understand yeah and mum and dad just said you know we promise you we'll, we'll find a cure so I was in better spirits and I trust I trust my dad and we started on the 6MP and I was on that for three months. So I got, I mean, I got better, better with inverted, um, you know, commas. I stopped bleeding. I was eating fine. And then I went for the three-month checkup at the hospital to get blood tests and they told me it was severely affecting my liver. The medication? The medication. So I was now... In another bracket of people, I think it was like 20 or 30% of people that are allergic to the mesovant but can't have the 6MP either. So they put me on a gout medication, not because I have gout, just to counteract some sort of something in the 6MP. It was crazy. Looking back, I can't believe that we took all this stuff, you know, all this stuff that you don't need for your body. So I was on the 6MP and the gout medication. And then that's when they started 
talking to me about other options because the gout medication wasn't counteracting the right whatever in the 6MP. And that's when they said there was either the option of removing 22 to 24 centimetres of my bowel or moving me up onto an even stronger drug. So that's where we were at at that point. And I remember my dad said, okay, we'll we'll go home and we'll think about it. And we went home and a couple of days later, I I think it was a couple of days later, we were just thinking about it and sort of not really talking about it because every time we'd bring it up, I'd just cry and I just didn't want to think about it. It was all too much. And then I remember one morning I was in bed. At that point, I was pretty bedridden. I was unwell. I was emotional. And dad came into my room and he said, I don't want you to take the 6MP today. I don't want you to take it at all, ever again. And it was so weird. It was like we read each other's mind. I was like, yeah, I'm not taking it today. And I never, ever took another one. I never took another tablet. We had no plan, but he just said, like, I promise you we'll do something else. And... Then I remember he was doing heaps of research. Like he'd be in his office till midnight every night. He'd get home from work and just go straight in the office and just try and read and do research and find things that could help me. And he came across, I think it was a YouTube video about cabbage juice. One guy had, um, you know, improved his symptoms with cabbage juice. So I did a week of just cabbage juice, not the nicest thing. It's awful. Oh, yeah, I used to fight him actually. I used to fight him when he'd come in and be like, oh, the smell. And um, oh. so I did, yeah, nothing but cabbage juice. And then during that week, he stumbled across a high carb health video. Wow. And so this is where. Oh, I'm so happy you. he did. <laughs> yeah. I want to give your dad a huge hug and oh. a high five. What a good guy. So he came across Shan's video. I can't remember which one it was actually, but he watched quite a few of them and he was like, Tish, I found the answer. And I was like, are you sure? You know, and he's like, yes. He's like, I'm positive. So we contacted um, High Carb Health, I think like the day after. And yeah, we started up, we signed up with their six month program. So for those of you who aren't familiar, they have a six month um, healing Crohn's and colitis program. So we signed up with that and um yeah and then it comes the next part of the story which is all of the healing process Mm, wow I'm so happy that you found that and that you started the healing process so tell us about that yeah so this was December 2016 because I remember my my last ever meal before I started the program, I mean, I had to go out with a bang, right? And I did. Mm-hmm. So I, we had, <laughs> fair enough. Fair we enough. We had a prawn dish. I remember we were at my grandma's house, and Dad and I cooked. And this was like the day before. Like, it was so silly looking. Back. Had the, oh, f- first before you before you start, did the cabbage juice help? It did help. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't doing a lot, but it was definitely just keeping everything under control. I was still bleeding and still had the diarrhea, but it wasn't as inflamed as it was every time I'd wean off the steroids. Okay. So it was just keeping it quite stable. Okay. 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 So, so sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, I just thought fine. I'm curious. Other people might be curious. <laughs> yeah. So your last meal you'd cooked, so and, Dad and it I was cooked. we did a prawn entree with Thousand Island dressing. We did a turkey, a roast turkey with, I can't remember, it was like veggies and rice, I think. And then we had a big Italian panettone with lots of ice cream and maple syrup. And that was the last meal before we started a whole food plant-based diet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you went out with a bang. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next day, how did it go? So I... Probably looking back wasn't the safest thing to do, but we went cold turkey. So I think at that point, I'm not sure if I was still on a very low dose of steroids. I can't quite remember. But, yeah, overnight we just went bang into the healing diet. Obviously, you know, you need to wean off your meds safely, but I think I just stopped the steroids. I was on a low dose anyway, so we just stopped them. And then we went into – Obviously, no animal products whatsoever, but lots of juicing and smoothing and a really restricted 
diet. So lots of bananas. I remember bananas. Oh, they were coming out my ears. Um, I was having so many bananas and and some fruits, not all fruits, just because the whole purpose of the healing diet is to try and almost turn the digestive system off. So trying to have fruits and veggies that are really easy to digest and that give your colon time to heal. So that was really hard. That was about two and a half months of just nothing but being in bed. I couldn't get out of bed because I was really weak just because I was detoxing so hard and my bowel movements and the blood actually went up and increased, which was really scary at the time. But thankfully I had the boys, Shem and Shakul, supporting us and guiding us through everything. Like it was funny because the medication was coming out of my body in the weirdest ways. Like I would get runny noses, I would get excess earwax and it would smell medicinal. Like it would smell like a hospital. It was so strange. And um, I got boils on my body as well. I got high fevers um, and mentally it was quite hard because I was worried, you know, I had faith. I had faith that was going to work, but there would also be times where I'd be really scared and worried. And I remember Sham told my mum a good idea was to, with a whiteboard marker, write inspirational quotes or funny things um, on the window next to my bed because that was the only thing I saw every day. I couldn't get out of bed. So mum would write different things every day. She'd draw funny pictures. She'd draw pictures of toilets and bums and things to make us <laughs> laugh. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and that really that really got me through when I was feeling scared or, or down. Yeah. And especially if, if your symptoms are worsening yeah. at the start. That would have been really hard to keep going a lot of the time, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. Because I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm getting worse. But then having the boys tell me no your body's got to get everything out before it can get better because, you, you know, you get worse and then you get better. And so, yeah, having that guidance was just, oh, it was godsend really. Oh, absolutely. And so when did you start to say, to go, oh, it is working? Like how long did it take? Two months into the six-month program. I It was funny. It was overnight. My bowel movements just started to get better and better and better and the diarrhea was less and less. And then – I get like, say I had a few bowel, bowel movements, I'd only have blood in maybe one or two and then only one and then only every second day. And that's when I was like, oh, my goodness, all of this is worth it. That is incredible. After how long? Because you've been dealing with it for nearly a year, for a year basically yeah, yeah. of this. And then to have it just reduce after it only increasing for the whole year pretty, pretty much, it would have just been such a... Would have been better than the graduation. (laughs) (laughs) It was. I think the first, I remember the first time that there was a bowel movement with no blood and like me, mum and dad were just like screaming and crying and jumping up and down in the bathroom, (laughs) having a little celebration because it was so emotional. It really was. We had been through so much as a family. Like my mum and dad and I, we've always been very close and we've always been like a little three amigos. But going through all of this just made us so much closer and that bond even more unbreakable yeah oh that's in some ways beautiful and i always find that most of these stories have even though they're so harrowing like the illness part is so harrowing and my heart breaks for every guest that's been on this show because i you know that 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 dark place you're in when you feel when you don't know the outcome and you don't yet know a solution and you're just stuck in this fear is awful. And so, but often around that, like around after that, like yourself, you, you there's these moments of really beautiful things like your dad and mom, that they love for you and you getting to feel that love. And, you know, often partners or friends or family members on the show of, of the guests on the show, you know, they really get to shine and, really express their love in such a beautiful way, which is really, really lovely. And I'm so glad that you got to experience that with your mum and dad. Yeah, thank you. It was was really, really special. 
Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's so nice. So from there, I was able to introduce more foods into my diet and the three of us did a lot of research, a lot of reading up on whole food plant-based diets and just seeing how what it does to your body. And, you know, Sham and Shakur were great. They taught us a lot um, and they gave us a lot of very valuable tools um, to then take on, you know, for the rest of our lives. And at the end of the six months, I was – I was back to me, but even better. I was Tashani 2.0. <laughs> New and improved. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love that, Tashani 2.0. <laughs> so after the six months, you were not just going to the bathroom like a regular. No signs. Well, better than a regular human because a regular human probably is constipated (laughs) or has IBS or some other digestive ailment. But you would have been a new improved human. Yeah. Yeah. Even my GP. My GP was fantastic because, you know, sometimes GPs, they're not not very supportive if you're not taking medication. But um, my doctor was great. He supported us through the, uh, the entire six months. And so that was a big relief having him on side. And I remember even now he always asks me, have you got any blood in your poo? And I'm like, no. And he's like, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> so how long has it been now since so, then? That was so 2016, so nearly three years or just over three and years. Any blood in your poo now, Tushana? No. <laughs> <laughs> that is so wonderful. So three years of being free from that and and as you as you said you know your doctor was about to agree to cut out tw- 21 centimeters was it centimeters or yeah. inches of your bowel centimeters centimeters mm. and inches is a bit too long <laughs> i know it's long but maybe <laughs> so you could have you know that's the thing when you people say oh you know don't go looking after yourself online with 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 dr google but doc, without dr google mm-hmm. yeah you would have had a piece of big portion of your bowel missing most likely or be on on some horrific more toxic drug yeah that's right obviously she had a gp as well and that's so important and i think that finding a good gp that's supportive is wonderful but i i do think that you know without your dad finding you know stumbling across from some late night google searches i think many most guests on this show are alive because of dr google (laughs) yeah (laughs) definitely yeah yeah. Absolutely. When people pay him out, I always think, Dr. Google saved me. And I know he saved all the guests on this show. So I'm glad for Dr. Google. Yeah, me too. I just think you should also have other people in your team, um, other healthcare professionals in your team. So don't just go and find out, oh, God, this is this headache cancer? Definitely. <laughs> I've typed it in. It's a, it's a definite. And send off all your money to a charity in, in your will that today. But see some medical professionals, and I think that Tashani, your story is is testament to that. You know, f- f- looking after yourself and having family to support you, but also keep asking questions. You know, keep looking for solutions because our bodies are incredible healing. They just super biocomputer type of organisms, and when we look after them and we think about what the foods that they need that they need to thrive rather than white bread, white, blocking up your s- symptoms with white bread. Yeah. You never know what can come. And look at you. You're thriving. You can't see her. I'm so sorry. But she's <laughs> thriving and magnificent. <laughs> thank you. You look amazing. So uh, thank you so much for telling us that part of your story or most of your story. It's been so good to hear it. And I know that we're coming up to an hour, so we can't do too much talking, but I wanted to make sure – we definitely covered your three biggest tips. Oh, yes. Okay. Your three biggest tips, Tashani, for everyone who wants to be three years without bleeding from their bowel, <laughs> like you, what would be your three biggest tips for anyone who wants to transition to a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet? I think firstly is to go slow. For me, I'm a bit of an all-or-nothing, and I did jump into the deep end, but I know most people are not like that. So I think... Working towards small goals is much better than setting yourself a big goal. For example, if you've got a goal, be whole food plant-based or be vegan. And then within three days, you misread a label and you trip up and then you feel bad about yourself. I think that's 
not, you know, as effective as, as having really small goals and working towards small attainable goals. So I think small goals and just going slowly is is a good approach for most people. Yeah. And then secondly, I think educate yourself. You know, there's a lot of great books out there and really good YouTube channels for those who are, you know, visual. High carb health. Yes, definitely. Very good YouTube channel. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, for those who are visual learners or maybe don't have a lot of time to, you know, sit down and read books. I think it's important because knowing how your body works and how food can affect your body will help us make better decisions when we when it comes to putting things into our into our body. Absolutely. It's such a great tip. And number three. Number three would probably be be creative and let your imagination run wild. You know, that misconception of, oh, you only eat salad. Oh, have a lettuce leaf, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, really our salads are some of the best salads ever. <laughs> so let those beautiful fresh flavors come alive and, and really don't mess too much with your fresh fruit and veg because they're amazing. They're bright, vibrant, they're beautiful, and they're very tasty. So did your parents both go whole food plant-based with you? Yes. So overnight, all three of us did, and they have been ever since. My mum used to suffer with migraines. So for her, probably two to three migraines a week was normal, and she has probably had one or two migraines in the last three years. See, migraine sufferers? That's incredible. So she was having three a week, two or three a week. Two or three a week was was her norm. And she learned to just live with it. She'd still go to work. She'd still, you know, try and do everyday things with the migraines. And she was going to be put on quite strong medication. And they were even talking about um, giving her a pension because it was so bad. But, you know, my mum's a hard worker and she didn't want that. So now she's only had one or two or how many? Maybe two or three, I think. In the last oh three my years. Goodness. That is so good. Has your dad had any amazing transformations in his journey? So he used to have high blood pressure and cholesterol. Um, he's on a very small dose of blood pressure medication at the moment just because it, it does run in his family and he hasn't quite got it got it right down yet. But, yeah, he's lost some weight. He's feeling great. Both of my parents are, yeah, they're doing really well. They love it. And to have that support of knowing, you know, everything in the house is whole food, plant-based or, or vegan. And, um, you know, I can just reach whatever I want in the in the house and, and having their supports really, really meant the world to me. That is so, so good. So good to hear. Thank you so much, Tashani, for coming on the show and sharing your story. It, it is, I'm just looking at my notes because I've just written so many pages of notes <laughs> for myself and just because it's just, there's so much to your story and it's been like that 12 months, I can't even imagine living through that and as a mother watching my children go through what you went through and being so unwell. Yeah. Hats off to your whole family for how far you've come. Thank and you. And it's just so beautiful to see you looking so well and to know how far you've come and what you've been through it's really really beautiful and I'm so grateful to you for sharing it with us today and I'm also so grateful to Shamiz and Shakur Kachwala for all the amazing work that you do so everyone head over to High Carb Health on everywhere on social media but YouTube channel is amazing and their website is highcarbhealth.com and if you have, especially if you have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease or any other digestive, anything really, it helps everything, let's face it, head over there because they're just incredible at the at what they do. Perfect. Thank you so much, Corinne. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And, you know, if my story can just help one person, just one other person out there, then it was definitely all worth it. Thank you so much, Tashani, for coming on the show. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for subscribing, liking, sharing, doing all the things to help support this podcast, becoming a Patreon member. The link's in the show notes. I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it again because it's in case you were like, oh, I'll remember that, but then you've forgotten it. Link's in the show notes. Patreon. Sign up. $5 is all it takes to be someone who is helping this podcast stay alive until we get to our millionth episode and then Every single person who's ever said, oh, you know, I'm going to not try that because I don't believe in it. It's just it's just anecdotal stories. It's not really scientific evidence. It's not hasn't got a blind placebo 
controlled trial study proving its efficacy. I think one million episodes will do that. <laughs> I don't know how old I will be to get to one million episodes, but you know what I mean. I mean a, a bunch of episodes. A hundred isn't enough for some people. They need 200, 300, 400, 500, and I am going to give that to them. So if you want to help me on that mission to stop every single person from saying, oh, you know, it may work for you, but I'm going to try this other thing that we all, if you're a long-term listener, we know it doesn't work, the other thing. This is the thing that works. It's not snake oil. It's just a whole food plant-based diet. So please help me and go over to Patreon. Otherwise, thank you and thank you again to Tishani and High Carb Health for all the work that you're doing and for helping to spread hope to those living with ulcerative colitis. And I will see you next week for episode 98 I'm so excited for that. I can't even believe we are moments from getting to our 100th episode. And if you haven't given me an idea for how we can celebrate this incredible milestone, please do in the comments or the show notes or wherever in private messenger, wherever you want to, let me know how we can celebrate this milestone occasion. It is also going to be my 11th anniversary as a relapse and symptom-free person the next month. So maybe I'll combine the two and have a huge, huge, big celebration. So yeah, I'm going to keep you posted. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. That's my long-winded rant out the way. I love you all. You're really, really great. Eat some plants, eat some veggies, eat some potatoes because they're my favorite. (laughs) Okay. Bye.